0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing spiffingly, magnificently well. The bloke you're about to hear from is an awesome human being. His name is Dan White, and he's the bloke at the centre of Blue Child Collective. Let's hear what he has to say. Here we go. Dan, welcome to the show. You're the main man, the the creative force behind Blue Child Collective. And I've got to say, I'm really enjoying Tree Corroboree. It reminds me of some lounge jazz with Latin influences, but I'm sure there's a lot in there that is just purely Dan from Blue Child Collective's influence. (laughs) So, mate, I understand this is your new single, so can you tell us all about it?
1: Yeah, cheers, Andy. Um, Well, it's actually um, very much a collaborative effort. I mean, I write a lot of the music, but I do leave free sections in there for a lot of the musos that uh, that I collaborate with. So um, it it evolves nicely. Whilst we have our structures in place um, when we hit the studio, because um, we pre-prod the hell out of it, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does grow and evolve mm. as anything does naturally in the studio, which I, I rather enjoy. But um, it's a song we um, that I wrote on the way back to WA um, after uh, an Aussie tour. We were crossing the Nullarbor end of 2016, and um, I was just, mm. uh, I think maybe <laughs> looking forward to being home and um, and watching the scenery change along the way and kind of noticing how how it did not pointed us in the
0: right direction. Yeah, good on you, mate. You know, I, I I think I've spoken to... Actually, I don't think... I know for a fact I've spoken to more artists from Western Australia in my career as an interviewer. <laughs> so there's well over two about 250 interview subjects at this point. What do you think... Well, and I've asked this question of all, all artists from Western Australia, mate. So what's your take on why there's such fertile musical creativity going on over there at the moment? And honestly, I haven't heard a band track or a bad band... Come out of there. I'm not just saying that. I genuinely feel that way. Oh. About
1: it. Wow, that's um, well, that's a very high compliment because um, <laughs> generally the more there are, you know, the the more diverse there is. But um, mm. I don't know, man. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of um, a lot of wilderness. So so in terms of um, inspiration, a lot of the the musos over our way uh, very much take their inspiration from from the land and um and getting out amongst it and uh, and all that kind of thing. But um, I'm not sure, it's, maybe it's a, a slightly different culture to what's going on over on the East Coast. I'm in Melbourne at the moment, um, mm. and I can tell you I was a little bit disoriented today, <laughs> driving around the city.
0: Oh, it's a shocker, <laughs> Melbourne City, it, isn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Hard man, it's good stuff, but man, you've just got to look everywhere at once. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah, but, well, I mean the traffic yeah, sure, The traffic man. down there is so bad, isn't it? It reminds me of what Sydney was like 20 years ago. It's it's sort of just got to a point I've, in I've heard, Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne City where A just,
1: lot of people say that.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I remember going down there five years ago. I'm from Brisbane and um there was you could get around okay, but the last few times I've been down there from my previous role at Telstra, um, just trying to get from A to B because you're not familiar enough with the the streets or where things are to walk the short distance or what have you. So you thought, Okay, I don't want to get hot and sweaty anyway, so I'll get into a cab and you think, Am I going the right way? I've been in this cab for twenty minutes and I'm only going five five or six blocks. <laughs> Sorry I digress, mate, just had to yeah. put that in. <laughs>
1: No, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, I think we're just a world away. To, to be honest, it's um yeah different comes uh, different things come from different places, and um it's, it's a bit of a different world over on the west side.
0: Mm, yeah, indeed it is. You know, so Lee sent me a copy of Saturn Saw the Seaside. Now, this yeah, is, cool. This is an album that's about one and a half years old, and it's an album that yeah. I've listened to a dozen times or so since I've received it, and. It is an album that I feel like I can return to again and again in the future. It's a very strong release is what I'm saying. So,
1: Thank you very much.
0: Mate, can you tell us about the album and what inspired you to make it?
1: Um, well, to be honest, um, <laughs> it was a bit of a journey. I, um, I started out meeting a, a bloke from Corsica in Shark Bay, Western Australia. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, and yeah, we um, we ended up uh, we've done a couple of European tours over the last few years, and um and I went and, and visited him on the island of Corsica, which is um, an island just off the south coast of France, um just to say hi and and catch up. And um turns out him and his best mate were um, events organisers, and um decided they wanted to tee up a whole bunch of gigs for us. Um so we did um a couple of summers over there, and uh, and while we we're there, you know it's like when um you're playing every day with the same bunch of blokes, you you get pretty tight, and so. I just put it to him, um, if there's any good studios around, it'd be great to um to have some time and so um he found one uh, up in the the mountains. It was just beautiful, um really old and, and but yeah, absolutely beautiful and uh, we did a few days there, and that was enough to inspire me to come back. And record an album there. So that was sat and Saw the Seaside. Um, that that trip was 2015, and then we came back in 2016. And yeah, they um, yeah, did all the pre-prod in the meantime, and, and just got it done. And yeah, it was really amazing. We uh, we documented the whole the whole uh, journey and the whole trip, whole making of. Um, that's online as I saw well. That.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I I knew that it was recorded in Corsica, and I was keen to find out how you ended up over in Corsica. But you've answered it nicely <laughs> yeah. there. So mate, they were fantastic musicians that you. Managed to get or, yeah. or include in the recording process. So, are they part of are they going to be a part of things moving forward, or was it just for that project?
1: Uh, some yes, some no. So, uh, so Lindsey Baker, who plays sax and harmonica on that last record, mm-hmm. um, he's all over this next one, which is coming out in um, September. Um, he's a very good friend of mine from Margaret River, so we play together often and right. um, live as well as um, as in the studio. Um, Kevin and Roger, the the drum and bass player, they um, they're based in Europe, but uh, they often come over to Australia with um, touring acts. They play with a lot of high caliber acts. Mm. So we catch up when they're over here. But um, but yeah, I've got, I've got uh, Kevin, the bass player, March for a couple of songs on the next, next one. He's um, just set himself up a studio and um, it's a bit of a to and fro kind of thing. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't intend to be um, finishing just with this album. There's plenty more to come. So I think Wonderful. they'll um, definitely take part in the future.
0: So tell us a bit more about Lindsay as a collaborator because at first I thought you'd managed to second Kirk Penguilly from In Excess for the band because he does look a bit (laughs) like him. (laughs)
1: Yeah. He's had a life, man. He's an amazing, amazing player. Um, Yeah, yeah, he's played in heaps of bands um, in his time. He's 100% self-taught, so it's cool because he's a bit of... um, a wild horse in some respects you have to kind of rein him in every now and then and um he growls at me when i write all these horn lines for him to learn because structure is not his friend <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh yeah no he's, he's a legend um yeah a lot of fun to play with and and um we we bounce back and forth nicely um i do most of the writing but i always um always keep free sections in some of the songs mm-hmm. because um he's a very very much an in the moment kind of guy and so um He'll just get in the mood and we'll hit record and he'll just do his thing and yeah, give us some gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of a lot of wonderful creativity comes from that, doesn't it? I heard, um, you know, what's the track? I'm going to get this wrong, so it might make the point redundant. But there's a track yeah, on Pink Floyd's "Wish Not Wish You Were Here," "Dark Side of the Moon," and I think it was a of Franklin, if I'm not mistaken, that contributes the. Um, Female vocal to one of the songs. Now that was just oh, her...
1: that set the controls to the heart of the sun. I think that's, that's
0: not it. Her, is it. Oh, it's oh, wow! I, mean, I never knew that. I could be completely mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's Aretha Franklin doing it. But apparently, mate, that was a rehearsal tape of her doing it. Or well, they re- they released on the, yeah. album the rehearsal of her doing it because it was just perfect. It was freeform.
1: Yeah, and that's something I've learned over the years. Um, that sat and saw the seaside albums, the seventh album that I've done, and I just like by now I know through and through that a good producer or a good recording engineer will never miss the first take or the rehearsal or the practice, you know, because it's so often the goal. Like that's the one. You can't reproduce it. You're just in the moment and that's all we're doing really. It's not trying to trying to create the perfect take, it's trying to create an emotion. And then the list, the listener taps into that and, and that's what really um makes someone like or love a song as opposed to, you know, enjoy it for it being
0: good, per se. Yeah, FM radio staples stuff on the mainstream FM stations, that <laughs> sort of music, which sadly I could never see Tree Corroboree being played at 8am on um, whatever the Perth equivalent is of B105, you know, the um, stereo version of it. But, mate, it bloody well should be. You know that? I think people are yeah, There we go. You know? Well, if I was in charge of programming, mate, believe me, everything would be very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine oh, the sort of artist that I'd play. So, uh, what's well, real music, mate you know it's what you're creating is music from a very genuine and sincere place and you're creating music for creativity's sake and yeah i think you're the type of bloke that is a born musician so my next question wrapped in a point is this you do strike me as an old soul so just watching the videos and just the way even you're talking now and the wonderful lyrics that you produce you seem like a very sorted and grounded individual so tell us about your upbringing and even your school years
1: um i didn't have a chance really <laughs> my, uh, my dad 's a yoga teacher, my mum teaches babies how to swim from about oh, ten okay. weeks old yep. um, <laughs> and um so they um they did me hex of favors when I was a kid, basically just kind of teach me um about life like my primary school. I, I went to an alternative school and um and we we did all the the maths and English and that kind of stuff but um they also encouraged us just to uh to think about what we really were interested in learning and um, that helped us all uh, and me especially just kind of find direction, you know, like ask myself those questions. What do, what do I enjoy doing and what do I feel like I should, yeah, like what I could be doing for my life, you know, what's the, mm. cause we all ask this. It's like, what's my purpose basically. And, um, and yeah, I, I think a lot of like what my parents did for me, in my, my childhood years was basically just nurture that, Search for what I wanted to do, so they never gave me a guitar and said, "You, all right, you got to practice every day," kind of thing. They just gave it to me, and then I could do with it what I want, you know. And for sure, no worries if you want to do some guitar lessons, we'll, we'll pay for them. But mm. there's no pressure there, and I, I, I think that's a real shame. If um, yeah, I see it, in know, a, a lot of families there's that pressure and expectation, and it mm. kind of it causes kids to put the walls up. So I think the best thing really has just been. Remaining open and having people around me who just kind of help me remain open and mm. continue looking for what, what, what fulfills me, basically.
0: Yeah. So you feel like your life path, your life, path, you're on the right life path for what you've been. I guess you know what you've been born to do. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. and I was lucky enough to figure it out pretty early on. Um, I mean, I started yeah. playing guitar when I was nine, but. I really knew it, Um, maybe in in the mid-teens, you know, 14 or so, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to play music, basically, in in whatever form that was going to take. And and that's, I guess, become clearer over the years, especially since I've started this project. Um, It's a lot more geared towards a central purpose, which is basically bringing people together. I mean, we're... Yeah, the music that I'm writing and the gigs that we play are just about promoting a cultural connection, you know. I'm mm. um, connecting with ourselves, with each other and the world around us. And, man, to be honest, like, for me, the world is a better place if you're just connected, you
0: know? Yes, indeed it is. Mate, left field question. Don't have to answer it if you don't want or you don't have to go into as no, into in right specific right. detail. <laughs> but, mate, apparently we exist at a time in history where there's been the least amount of warfare and conflict than any other time. Okay, so you can only take... I don't even know where that that comes from, but apparently it's quite credible. Now, you wouldn't know it, though, if you read Twitter, particularly with the the manner in which just very small interpersonal conflicts occur just online between people, you know, someone supports Trump, someone supports what did support Hillary, that sort of thing, or over here, it might be going for the Labour side of politics or the Liberal side of politics, but the way in which people are, are, if you like, so quick to be nasty to each other, you know. And, look, my broader point on all of this is that Pete, how do how does somebody say cuz this is going to be released on my radio show on my podcast as i as i explained yeah. you're going to get people listening to this who have no idea who who i am and uh, no idea who you are so but what they need to know is you're a very creative soul whose mind who stood within his truth and said oh, i'm going to create music and you did that from a very young age so how does somebody who gets distracted by so much of this information that really that's and that's all it is all of this stuff that's on the internet that draws people into it twitter Facebook, Instagram, all the bullshit, excuse my language. Had, what's your take no, on somebody listening, because you are a creative soul, can detach from all of that stuff and mind their own creativity and really find what they've been put on this earth to do? Now, I know that's a really profound question and a broad question, <laughs> but, mate, you're as good a person as any to ask it.
1: Um, I think, for a start, like what you started out saying, like all this friction, basically, that's going on in the world, whilst there is less now... Than at any other point in history, or so they say. I think um, at the end of the day, all of that is still—it uh, all serves as a distraction, or many distractions mm. from uh, from the greater truth, basically, that we're all searching for in our lives. You know, um, and it kind of it stops us from seeing or searching for something more, and keeps us kind of uh, rooted in. Uh, Rooted in, in the problem, as opposed to the solution, hmm. and um, basically, like I don't really watch TV for a start. <laughs> um, Likewise, cause yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, a lot of misinformation out there, that's for sure. But um, I think basically, going on the theory that we we create our own world, you can select what you 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 um, welcome into your world, basically, and so um and so I think if you choose to omit all of these distractions all of a sudden it gets a lot clearer um basically for yeah it gets a lot clearer I think um when you start looking for what it is that's going to fulfill you
0: mm, so because, it's, it's like having having a yeah. discipline isn't it and not just turning these things off and disengaging from them yeah
1: for sure because like everything in life is a choice and not choosing is also a choice, basically. So mm. if you if you just want to um, let all of this stuff, all, all the noise pollution and, and all of uh, the friction become your life, then that's also a choice. Uh, mm. and, and saying, uh, I can't help it, that's what life is, it's also mm. a choice because you, know, you you choose where you live, you choose how you live, you choose who you live with. So I think um, getting towards the end of that, that question. Um, one thing that I really found helpful for finding my way in life and kind of was getting a bit clearer on where I was going and what I wanted to do was, um, was I removed myself from, from, uh, from I guess, the, the normal construct. So I went traveling and, and I found that um, that we, we view life through, through like a, a lens. Yeah, and the longer you're in the same place, or the longer you're you're surrounded by a certain thing, hmm. the the more I think um thorough the, the lens is. And you know it's like when you you're driving down the street and uh, and you <laughs> you you see all the signs, but you've you've never seen them. you know it's like opening your eyes for the first time because you yeah. your eyes feel draw that out because you don't you know it's just clutter, and that's how our brains operate. And so I think travelling for me, Seeing new places for the first time opened far more than just my eyes and, um, and gave me a real opportunity just to get a bit clearer on, um, on what it was that after all the, all the bullshit and, and mm-hmm. all the distractions made me feel good and fulfilled, you know. And it's pretty easy to find that. You just have to remove yourself from the norm, I think, mm-hmm. because if, like, basically if you're not enjoying life, then friction occurs to tell you that it's not right and so you should remove yourself from it. But sometimes we don't. It goes on for years until we end up having heart attacks or divorces or all sorts of terrible things, you know, but they're all just other forms of change, basically, trying to, uh, on a signpost on the road, you know, trying to show us the right way to go. It's just our decision whether we want to listen to them or not.
0: Yeah, and what, what I see... Um, which I mentioned, mate. It's just there's just lack of discipline, I think, and people getting drawn into these things, you know. So I guess I guess my my earlier point. You know, I hope I you know, and you you answered it beautifully, by the way. And if I could articulate it further, is that Thanks. we we are living in a very safe time, but we choose almost to we're drawn to conflict as human beings, aren't we? And if we can't, yeah. it's we're not necessarily just about not just about everybody. I know there are people that suffer from various forms of violence in the West, but in the Western world. The chances of us experience violence, most people can go through their life without experiencing any personally these days. Um, and the way it's almost like there's this, I don't know, I'm loath to call it the, the primitive part of us, you know, the, the, the part of us that's evolved from being an upright ape, um, seeks to want to do these, you know, just read comments on Twitter and the like, it just seems like man, it's about an 80% chance that it's not going to be a civil discourse with somebody on Twitter. And I I just wondered why that was, you know, that. And I know there is no real answer for that, but people not respecting people's opinions and people not listening, you know. And for me, though, it's even deeper, which is why I asked you the question, and because you've articulated so beautifully about your life's purpose and mission, you do have one. I think a lot of people don't have one. You know, they just work in awful jobs that they hate to fund cars they don't want in suburbs they'd rather not live in.
1: Yeah, which absolutely contributes to um, probably reacting quicker as opposed to um, listening and, and, yeah, maybe, yeah, not reacting, but just kind of uh, living your own life. Anyway, I think all of it basically is rooted in, in, in uh, disconnection and this idea that we're all, Individual, as opposed to one and the same, because mm. I think that's a large part of what I'm trying to say with my music. Is like I, I realised that I mean Blue Child Collective basically stands for us humans on this planet. We're all children, like just mm. humans hanging out in this little blue planet, floating through space, right? And um, I think mm-hmm. that was a that was an epiphany I had a, a few years ago, and it just made me realise that, you know, for example, when I when I do hurt someone else, I'm hurting myself, basically. And lots of different cultures call that different things. You know, it might be karma, but um, I think <laughs> that um, when you're getting these situations where people are uh, having opposing views, um, they're, they're just basically different ways of, of looking at the same thing. And, and everyone has different mm. opinions and, and, and ways of looking at the world. But I don't know. At <laughs> the end of the day, like we're all just humans, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Agreed, mate. Look, I'll put a full stop on that one and thank you so much for uh, for answering the question and providing your thoughts. But, mate, let's get back to oh, your, right. back to your music because here's a good question for you. So what do you hope to accomplish through your music?
1: Um, I want to bring people together. You know, we play a lot of shows, you know, maybe 150 to 200 shows a year for the last few years anyway. And um, the amount of bars or... or Clubs or live music venues, halls, gardens, wherever—like so diverse—the amount we play. I see the one thing that brings them all together mm. is, um, is the—you know—the one reason that is common with across all those venues that people uh, are finding common is that they're all just coming out to connect. Mm. You know, we have this, like, um, yeah, you know, we have this urge as humans to to feel like we're part of something, you know. That's why it's very difficult for us to live in isolation or solitude, right? Whilst that's an important part of our existence, we all have friends and family, and, and that contributes so hugely to our sense of, um, of belonging and uh, and our happiness, our overall happiness, because we feel part of the, the greater whole. And so, um, yeah, I think that is a reflection of what I see people in public coming in listening to my music is because they're coming out to connect like consciously or subconsciously with themselves or with each other mm-hmm. or with the world around them rather than staying at home and, and, and basically disconnecting. And that is something that contributes to their overall happiness and sense of fulfillment, you know, uh, which is just another expression of it. But yeah, I think I really want to be just facilitating that on a, on a bigger level, With each year that passes, you know, and that might be live shows or it might be, um, might be just through records, you know. Mm. Uh, I've, yeah, learnt a lot through listening to some wonderful, wonderful musicians over the years. So, so provoking thoughts amongst people and and questioning Mm. is, um, is definitely a big aim. I just, I, I really like it when, um, when someone says something that makes me stop and question the world and my existence because it's all too easy to get hung up on how things are because it's it's just not like that Mm. there's infinite possibilities
0: there are indeed creating the sort of music that you create so why go down this pathway creating beautiful jazz roots and blues infused music as opposed to something for example like hip-hop or heavy metal was there something that drew you to the kind of music or was it just was it just one of those things that just happened
1: uh, um, it's it's what's feeling good at the moment. It's what's coming out. I mean, I, when I sit down and write, I uh, I try not to to um, pigeonhole myself. You know, I've I've been in many bands over the years and, and been in situations like I used to play in a punk band, for example, and uh, and I've never wanted to be in the situation where uh, I'll be sharing a song with uh, with my bandmates, for example, and uh, and then. It could be wonderful, but it doesn't fit our genre per se. So therefore, we can't play it. And so, I've I've never taken the, uh, I've never put those walls up or put myself in that cage, if you like, um, in terms of writing. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what what I've been writing over the last few years for Blue Child Collective has um, just been pretty much organic. So okay, what's been coming out and it's changed over the years and uh, will continue to. Like, there's a lot more funk on this next record, um, Elements of Soul, but then some more funky awesome. stuff as well. Um, and then I've, I've just quietly written a couple of records after that as well. And um, there's, <laughs> there's um, <laughs> definitely more elements of hip-hop um, coming in right. down the line. And, and I just embrace it all because it's, it's none of it is um, kind of stock standard, uh, fits into a single genre. I think it's, um, I very much sit in my own style, and then uh, depending on the musicians who join me, um, for each record or recording mm. session, um, that changes beyond that as well. So it's, it's hard to pigeonhole, which I've been critiqued for in the past, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, I, right? embrace, I embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 of course. Because, you know, a lot of people feel unsafe when they hear something new. They want to be able to categorize it or label it. Mm. And in terms of um, uh, applications for, for uh, genre specific. Um, uh, radio stations or grants or you know everything you know, everything's, tri- everything is uh, um, yeah it's categorised you know in terms of music so uh, I find myself ticking lots of boxes in that case <laughs> but uh, yeah just let it float you know because it comes out and I don't see any reason to keep it in
0: See, I've got the rather unusual situation in that um, I, I, because my my podcast series is called, actually both the podcast series and radio show is called Scars and Guitars, because the majority of people that interview come from the world of hard rock and heavy metal. Um,
1: Cool. I've been through it. (laughs) So, Uh, Honestly, I played uh, psychedelic grunge for a few years.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. Psychedelic grunge. God, I'm just trying to think like Alice in Chains sort of thing, I suppose, would have sounded like. (laughs) Must have been up there like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's pretty out there. <laughs> but look, one of the things about me is that whilst I might um, interview and be around a lot of heavy metal and hard rock, I actually might, the music that's in my heart, if you talk about the music that really motivates you and the way that I play is disco and funk. So, oh, classic. Yeah, I've, I, I've got to tell you, I feel like a beacon in the ocean bobbing around by myself occasionally though. You know, I had a really good conversation about this with Ron Francois, who was the bass player And remember Eurogliders, the band Eurogliders? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, excellent. One of my best, one of the best bass players ever, in my view. Um, And he's a great funk-style bass player with a great disco edge, and I've been trying to listen to somebody who plays bass in the way that I think I'm pretty close to playing it, but he's more advanced, he's just got a wonderful technique. But I play bass similar to the way he does, and I had a chat to him about forming a disco band here in Brisbane, and... Halfway through me making my proclamation, he just sort of started laughing at me in a very kindly manner. By the way, and just said, "God, God, love you." You know, he knows what I'm up against trying to play funk and disco style music to crowds because I play covers music that are yep. there to hear. Um, Copperhead Road, anything by ACDC and Guns N' Roses, mate. You know, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to bring disco to the people, mate. But it is not an easy journey. Let me tell you.
1: I believe you. I think. Um, <laughs> Something we're very lucky with in the West is, that, and I've noticed it. We've been through down the East Coast um, six, seven times now. Um, is that there are so many venues who embrace original music, mm. and that's really refreshing. Hey, like yeah, yeah, It's yeah. nice to be able to play what what what's coming from your heart. You know,
0: there is being a covers musician. We tend to get booked in. Um, popular venues that have a lot of foot traffic and also to regional locations like places like Bundaberg. And I can assure you, I've been yelled at 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 Bundaberg. I had one incident (laughs) where I was yelled at by an elderly lady because we started playing disco music and she did not like it. Let me tell you, country folk will not backward. I mean, I am technically a country folk person myself, but you know, I mean, I'm more urbane than I think most. And yeah, it was, um, it was a bit, it was one of those moments where I went, do I just put my bass up and just be done with it. I mean, I want, to, I want to put some disco grooves down, some octaves and some great slap and thumb bass stuff, but the people didn't want to hear it. And um, yeah, the original music scene, to your point, we've got the Valley over here, Fortitude Valley over here, and there's about five or yeah. six venues um, in, in which you can probably see an original band almost any night of the week. Certainly there will be one of those venues that will have a band on any night of the week. So I guess we're lucky that way, you know, from the original front.
1: Absolutely. Um, just on what you said about um, about having no hope with uh, in bondberg with disco, I see you there but um I, th- I think that 's another reason why I like to diversify because like, we play a lot of shows in a lot of different places and um it basically allows me to tailor our set lists mm-hmm. to suit the audience you know whilst we 're still doing what we do there 's a lot to be said for um, speaking the same language if you like right? and um end of the day, all i 'm trying to do is um is help people have a good time. Maybe ask a few questions about the world and and um, facilitate connections. So if I'm yeah, if I'm playing, it's the same. If, if I book a certain venue, you know, there's no point in playing a certain type of music because the punters aren't going to enjoy it and therefore won't be receptive to what I'm saying. So yeah, I, I've been through that over the years, and that was another big reason I think I um, I like to diversify because you got to you've got to relate to people, and if yeah. you can't then. Put walls up, you
0: know, or yell at you, or throw things. Yell at you. I've never had anybody throw anything at me, but I have. That was the first time I'd, I can honestly tell you I've had people yell at me. Now, being a a funk and disco style bass player, I bring that to the rock bands that I play in as well. So I've I've even had. Yeah. Guitarists yell at me halfway through, like when we take a break from you know, when you play, you got three sets, you're taking a break, and they're going, I can't handle you playing it that way, man. It's getting into my groove, you know, it's, it's you not know, jiving with what I'm doing or what have you. And of course, he's playing like Malcolm Young from ACDC. So, of course, the way that I'm playing might not fit in to his tastes, but it still fits technically. It's just not something that he's used to, for example. Um, yeah. So it's, it's in desperation, God, I know we're here to talk about you, mate, but I just thought of finishing finish sharing the story. No, with. you're right. I've, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've started a, a studio project and I've got some really good musicians roped in for that. So I'm going to do the studio project and we're going to record things like um, Car Wash and um, yeah, cool. Hot Stuff by Donna Summer, YMCA by... Um, uh, what do they call village people? Uh, a few chic numbers. We're going to do this, what I call, down and dirty street funk. So slap bass with okay, a bit, cool. bit more of an overdriven guitar, but still funk. You know, kind of similar to funk metal, but not without the metal bit. If that makes sense. <laughs> in, yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. aggressive, aggressive disco and funk. That's probably the best way to describe it. Because I want, I want people to Ooh. dance. I want people to get into it. You know, just I'm yeah. going to persist with this one because maybe the world's taste will start to revolve and you know this sort of music will become popular again and then somebody like me with the band that i'd like to form will actually be able to do it
1: man your audience is out there it's the beauty of the internet it doesn't matter if they're, they're in iceland but they're out there <laughs> and um yes. and now even better like once they are listening to, to your music all you have to do like is for example on spotify i can look at a, basically a world uh, a world map and it shows me where the most people listen to my music, how many people in what cities, what regions, and that helps them book my tours, man, because mm. that's where your audience is. It's, it's the best thing. It's, like, it's such a great tool, especially for independent artists. Like you can find your audience. So I'm sure there's a, a street funk metal <laughs> crowd <laughs> out there, or soon to be.
0: Well, that's what, that's what we hope, mate. That's what I, I certainly hope. And, um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that about Spotify because my, for my podcast series, the platform that is hosting it called Wooshka actually gives me all of that information as well. So the number one city and the number one country for my podcast series is Detroit in the land of the USA. No so, way. No idea how it's happened, but I think what happens is it goes viral, you know, Oh, this is my theory on it. It's gone viral. Someone's had a few episodes because I've interviewed members of Black Sabbath, Kiss, some pretty serious bands, and cool. you only need one of those episodes to blow up, and a couple have blown up, and yeah, it pe- st- starts going viral, and then people keep on listening to you because then they, for my podcasting app, they just leave it me as a a, a channel that they want to subscribe to if you like on the podcasting app, um, and they just keep on listening, and I've noticed that so Detroit's always up there, and Australia I think is third. Well, I think I've got Great Britain. So it goes America, Great Britain, and Australia. And I think, mate, I think even to that point, um, Russia or Poland is catching up to Australia.
1: Wow. You know. Oh, power to you, man. Thanks, mate. <laughs> bring but, on the bring on the Russia tour. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> well, I, David Vincent, who was the vocalist in Morbid Angel, you've probably heard of Morbid Angel, right? The famous death metal band. Um, yep. he, uh, he was doing a tour the week before before I released my podcast episode, so I coincided the release of the podcast episode with his tour of Russia, and he shared it on his Facebook page, so I think that's how I've got an audience in Russia, that's what I can put that one down to.
1: Nice awesome. You know, but love d- cross pollination uh, in in the artist community.
0: Oh, got it. has got to be done. I really, I love it when artists support other artists. I've got to say that. You know, because it yeah. is tough out there. It is really hard out there, particularly as we've discussed. People are trying to stand within their own truth and playing play and create music in their own lane. So, look, I I love diversity in music. You know, I listen to so many. I listen to just about every genre there is, except for country. I really can't get into well, your, your, um, your stateside uh, compatriot, um, Johnny Taylor, produces some pretty good country-fried rock music. musical. He doesn't consider himself a, a country artist. But to my decidedly non-country ears, it sounds like country, but he's a, as close as I'll get to it. You know that?
1: Oh, classic. That's,
0: that's, yeah. So, mate, um, I'll wind things up, and final question uh, would be, how do people get in touch with you, and how can they find your music? You've mentioned Spotify, but you want Apple Music and all the rest of it?
1: Yeah, man, we're everywhere. Um, you can we've got heaps of videos on YouTube if if people are into that kind of thing. Like I put a lot of emphasis on uh, on using the uh, visual content to give to to our music. Uh, but um, yeah, everywhere you go, um, Blue Child Collective on on Facebook, or on Instagram as well, and um, we've got a website up where you can get all the tickets and and see our, our tour schedule. Um, and yeah, we've got heaps of stuff up there. Anywhere you go, you know, whatever you're on, either. Apple Music, iTunes, whatever, we're
0: there. So I'm big on artists giving people an opportunity to support them, especially independent artists like yourself. So have you got merch available as well on Facebook?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's all on Facebook or that links you basically straight to our website where we go to the store.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being such an interesting and excellent interview subject. Oh, cheers, you have been listening to my conversation with Dan White from the Blue Child Collective. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I do host this year podcast series called Scars and Guitars. Thank you so much for listening.